Screw it, screw it, we're just gonna talk about Spider-Man. Hey, welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about Spider-Man. This is the podcast where we go over the original Spider-Man comics by the original creative team of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. I am one of your co-hosts. My name's Will Hines. I'm another co-host, and my name is Kevin Hines. Here's the fascinating thing about this podcast. We are on different ends of the country. I'm coming to you from sunny Los Angeles. I'm coming from dreary, gray New York City. (laughs) But thanks to um, the fact that we all live in the future, this is no big deal. This is a Black Mirror episode, but it's the first 10 minutes when everything is still nice before all technology becomes bad. It's really hard for our listeners to conceive of a technology where two people in different cities can talk to each other. You have nothing like this. There's no part of your day or your life where you make contact with someone who doesn't sit right next to you. But that, that technology is out there. Kevin and I have access to it and we're using it to do a Spider-Man podcast. That's right. We are not in the same room. Don't believe uh, that we are. The hype. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, this is uh, what are we doing? So um, this we, we do a different Spider-Man issue every episode. This time we're doing uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 10, The Enforcers. Yep. We've been looking uh, forward to this one for a while. These are some of my favorite villains in all of fiction because um, not just comics, mind you, all <laughs> fiction, because it's they're so ridiculous. I, I think they actually work in a way and I really enjoy this issue, but they also are the silliest villains and yeah. I love them so much. They're sort of somehow they the cross section of terrible and also best villains in these original issues. So, yeah, we've been looking forward to this. So this is um, um, a fun one. But, you know, before we can really get, dig into the comics, uh, Kevin, we have so we're, guys, if you're new to this podcast, we're into segments. We went segment crazy a while back and we can't stop doing. We segments. can't stop. We're segment nuts. Like uh, uh, what's a creative podcast, which is now Campfire Podcast. That's a change. I should save that for the podcast news segment. Oh, wow. Um, Let's just but, go uh, into that. Let's just do Spider-Man okay. podcast news. OK, first segment. <laughs> Spider-Man podcast news. So like Campfire, uh, I'm so embarrassed. It might not be Campfire Media. I'm such an idiot. It's Campfire something, but they were what's a creative up until like last week. Same same people. Honestly, news to me. I was not aware of the change. Yeah, this is genuine. So this is Um, this is news. And um, I I love the guys at this network. And I mean, this podcast won't be released for like three more weeks. So by then it'll be a month old news. That's right. This is month old news. So but it's brand new at the time we're recording it with our super new technology. Um, What does that mean? What does it mean that we're now campfire? Well, I think they're just just like that. I think they're just rebranding. Like they're just sort of like, oh, we like people chatting around the campfire about things they love. Um, I, I don't know. They just they're rebranding for some, it's all over my head. I'm not a, you know, the guys who run this thing are hugely aggressive businessmen. You know what I mean? Ryan Middledorf is like, he's like J. Jonah Jameson. He's about the money. You know, he's rubbing his hands together in an evil fashion. So who, I don't know what the scheme is. This is like, basically it's like Wall Street, that movie Wall Street. Uh Yeah. Gordon Gecko is like a nice version of Ryan Middledorf. Wow. And um, I don't know him as well as you, but I do know (laughs) I owe him millions of dollars somehow. (laughs) But um, they're rebranding. But but one of the things they very casually mentioned to us, oh, you know, it's it's not a bad idea to have segments. People like segments. I think he put about that much emphasis on it. Kevin and I have now have like, there's like, ele- there's like 11 segments. I can never remember what they are. <laughs> I have them written down because I can't do them otherwise. There's no way that if, even if you're a regular listener <laughs> that you'd have any idea of what the segments are or like which one's coming. But, uh, but I'm, I'm not backing off. Yeah. I'm doing Our listeners are like, oh man, I can't wait to get the low lights. 
<laughs> That's my segment. We've added two segments just for this episode. We have the cover segment and current Spider-Man issue yeah. segment. Cover segment technically started last issue, but it was That's sort of a spur of the moment thing. I'm still counting it as new. Yeah. We should have a segment where we go over what segments are new. <laughs> yeah. Segment news. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so our, <coughs> sorry. We're, we're in our first segment, which is Spider-Man slash podcast. I mean, news. there's That's also slight Spider-Man news. I can't believe it. This segment is so crucial. Um, uh, so we're recording this the Monday after the Super Bowl. Yep. Um, I won't go spoil Eagles. that in case Oops. you're taped to the Super sorry. Bowl and haven't listened to it for three weeks. Never mind. Uh, but during the Super Bowl, they showed a commercial for Avengers Infinity mm. and Spider-Man is in that movie. And there's a shot of him clinging to some machine and pulling his mask off. That's that's all I got. Okay. That's good Spider-Man news. There's so many characters in Avengers Infinity. It's ridiculous. It's very Secret Wars-ish now. These Marvel movies are just like crossover feats where they just cram everybody into it. Yeah. But that that's very Marvel, though. Yeah, it is very Marvel. It feels like the movie is going to be mostly just introducing you to these characters. <laughs> um, it's funny, like, as these Marvel movies, like, come out, like, the people's complaints about them or, or compliments about them, they mirror the things we would say about Marvel comics, at least in the 1980s when I was a kid reading them, you know? It's like, ah, oh, this is just a gimmick to force all these things in there to make you buy it or whatever, yeah. you know, or it's like, oh, I hate how they have to summarize the powers you know, the first page of every Daredevil comic is Daredevil conveniently bringing up how he's blind and has super senses or something like that. Yeah. And, um, and uh, the movies are kind of the same way. They're definitely heading that way. I mean, if you watch Avengers Infinity, I haven't seen it, so I can't really say. But I got to imagine if you haven't seen every movie, you're going to be like, well, what's Doctor Strange's thing? Or yeah, who are these Which Guardians one? of the Galaxy and all that stuff? <laughs> it's like they're in this? Um, uh, well, I'm excited. I'll, I'll go. I will go see it. I mean, I'll um, see it too. I'm not going to not see it. Yeah, you're not. What are you, not an American? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's our next? I feel like that segment's done. Let's go on to our next segment. So now we talk about cover talk, sort of a teaser for the rest of the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, a, we added, we talked about doing this last episode. I think it's just a nice way before we go into the rest of our pre-comic <laughs> segments <laughs> <laughs> to talk about the actual comic. Uh, We're going to yeah put off the meat of the episode as much as possible. Right. So this is issue 10 uh, and the cover is Spider-Man dangling from a web facing off against uh, the the enforcers and it says never has anyone fought such merciless foes as the enforcers this and then is a there's like cover. four dudes four dudes just looking at them <laughs> this it's is a, a weak very cover. weak cover yeah I don't like this cover I especially think because the issue is pretty well drawn this cover looks like a rush job just like last issue the like the splash page is like really is good I think and the cover is lame like um, I don't know if Steve Ditko's putting it off until the last minute Steve Ditko the artist of uh, Spider-Man or if Stan Lee is rejecting it at the last minute and he's got to redraw it or something this one was definitely rejected uh, there is a different cover but it's not way better hmm. it's still sort of got this like no background it's still just him sort of dangling in front of the enforcers it's staged a little better in my mind i don't know why it was rejected how did you find the other ones what, what how do you have access um, to in this? your epic spider-man volume um it should be in the back i'm looking at the epic spider-man so volume flip, flip to that the is back the, of that and there should be a pencil version of issues 10 cover i think Oh, so cool. Did you see it? I'm looking for it. Give me a second. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is way better. Yeah, I don't know why it was rejected. It's definitely a little more dynamic, I think. It's Probably similar Stanley. It's similar setup, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Stanley wanted room for uh, all of his text. I'll see if I can include both covers on our Instagram account, Screw It Spidey, so people can choose their favorite cover. Um, yeah, everybody vote, and then we will go back and change it to the cover that we'll get Marvel to change it to the cover that you like. Through time travel? <laughs> well, once I'll just ask Middledorf for a loan. Okay, great. And I'll, and I'll buy Marvel. Um, so... 
But this issue also teases a little thing about <coughs> your favorite character, J. Jonah Jameson. He is my favorite character. It says, in this issue, learn why J. Jonah Jameson really hates Spider-Man. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. They plug weird things on the cover of the Spider-Man <laughs> Like, that's not a big part of the issue. <laughs> no, it isn't. But it does, like, take a little break to talk about that. I mean, it's in there, but I don't know if that's that enticing. Like, No. Also, um, I feel like, and I th- I've said this before in past episodes, I feel like every, like, now and then they give a different reason why he hates Spider-Man. Yeah. So the real reason is because it's fun. <laughs> right. It makes the stories fun. Um, good segment. Great. Let's move on to what else is going on at Marvel Comics at this time. Great. So we got big Marvel news. So this issue came out in March 1964, which mm-hmm. is also the uh, month where Captain America returns to the Marvel Universe. So he was Ooh. an original Marvel superhero back during World War II. And then yep. sort of uh, when superheroes fell out of fashion, so did Captain America. And... Uh, during the fifties, like when Marvel just did all genre stuff, yeah. So and they weren't even they weren't even called Marvel, right? They were called like Atlas Comics or Timely I think Comics. It might have been Timely, like yeah. Uh, and now uh, Stanley is bringing back uh, an early Jack Kirby creation that he created with his uh, pal Joe Simon, Captain America, mm-hmm. and they sort of retroactively decide that uh, Captain America has been frozen in ice since the last time we saw him. So yeah, he hasn't aged, and he sort of they thought they find him, they thaw him out of ice, and he immediately joins the Avengers. He also wakes up and says, Bucky, because he remembers Bucky dying, which is a very uh, adult uh, thing to do, I think, for a comic book at this time. It's a pretty dramatic move. Um, I am. It, it makes Captain America such a cool character. He's, he's now he's like a man out of time. Yeah, it really feels like such a big, important part of Captain America that was not part of him for like the first span of his comics, basically. I mean, in, in the 40s, it was just a fantasy comic of what if we could send a super soldier to punch Hitler in the face? Yeah. And now it's like this sort of, yeah, man out of time. And really... After, you know, at the time this Spider-Man comic is out, at the time Captain America comes back, like like the Vietnam War is happening, but it's very small. Yeah. We, have, we haven't yet gotten to, like, America being a bad guy to its own people yet. Like, it, you know, we haven't gotten to, like, Vietnam War and Watergate and stuff like that. Like, having a super American icon becomes way more interesting and complicated in about six years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and with the comic books have sort of a sliding time scale where uh, obviously Spider-Man is still being printed today, but they're not pretending that 40, he's 40 years older than when it started. So in a way, Spider-Man got his powers always like five or six years ago. Yeah. Um, and Captain America just sort of came out of ice five or six years ago. It's sort of yeah. always not, they don't really try to address it because it doesn't make sense, but it's yeah. always sort of true. It's he's, he's way out of time now. And the idea of like a World War II soldier being like a, a modern Modern superhero is very cool. And I don't yeah, I love know how it. much thought Stanley put into it other than like, I want to bring S- Captain America back. Yeah, I th- I, I'm imagining it's a happy accident that it worked out so great. Yeah. Um, it's just <clears> one of those things. That, it's, weird that month, they, yeah. it's weird that they even worried about it, you know, like, oh, we, the fans will be wondering what Captain America has been doing this whole time. But there are so many time issues that they just ignore. You know, like you're saying, like Spider-Man is perpetually in his like mid twenties. Yeah. But, but the Marvel characters usually interact with the real world a little bit. Yeah. Like they'll refer to like big movies and celebrities or something like that. Like in culture and current events. And then there's certain things like sometimes I'll have kids and those kids age faster than anyone else. 
Yeah. Like uh, the Fantastic Four eventually have Franklin, who's like, I don't know, he's like eight or nine now, I got to assume. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been that long. Yeah. Uh, I mean, DC has an even weirder thing where Batman's had like four Robin, but he still hasn't aged. <laughs> like he yeah. keeps having a new Robin who grows up and can't be Robin anymore. And then he's like, but Batman doesn't age. Well, then you got to then, then you have like there's a whole genre of comics that like calls stuff like that out, like meta meta comics like imaginary stories where it's yeah. revealed that Batman is an immortal or something like that. I feel like Alan Moore would like do stories that, you know, factors that in very consciously. Or, or people something. will tell stories as, well, what if they aged? What if they were the age they should be right now? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a, uh, it's all complicated and, and, and not important other than to say yep. Captain America's back. Great. Next segment. Let's keep it moving. Segments, segments, segments. So this is a new one. Yeah. So this is a segment I'm pitching to you where I tell you about, <laughs> Uh, recent Spider-Man stories, because I still read Spider-Man uh, currently. Yes. And just you react to it. Okay. And You're I'm, a real fan and I'm a fraud. That's the point of this thing. <laughs> I don't think so. I can't stop. I'm an addict and you uh, went to rehab. Yeah, I got cleaned up. Um, so I'm not going to recap the whole Although, most both recent of our cats. I'm sorry. Both of our, we both have cats and they're both named after comic book characters. That's true. Uh, <laughs> mine is named Parker after Peter Parker. <laughs> Peter Parker. I never put it together. <laughs> no. Um, and mine is named Hopi after the incredible famous Hopi Glass. Yeah, that's right. From, Everyone knows Hopi Glass. From Love and Rockets comics. Uh, pretty famous if you're a comic book reader. Okay. I appreciate you saying that. But not famous to anybody who d- only knows Spider-Man from the movies. Um, Until Hopi shows up in Avengers Infinity War. Oh man, she'd be a great Avenger. She would seduce the female supervillains and then spray paint punk sayings on the <laughs> on the wall of Dr. Doom's castle. <laughs> Take that. Um, uh, so, so, anyway, so yeah, I'm just going to tell you a couple things that are going on in the current Spider-Man comics and I'll probably do okay. a little bit each episode. Uh, okay. There won't always be a new issue, so I'll just tell you some of the current events. Uh, so right now, uh, Dan Slott is the writer of the main Spider-Man title, Amazing Spider-Man, okay. and he is uh, leaving the title soon. So he's like kind of entering into his last, uh, I think like last seven issues. Okay. Um, and uh, currently what's going on with Spider-Man is he, up until like a couple months ago, was running Parker Industries. He had become very successful and his company had become like Stark Industries, had become like a worldwide government uh, uh, like just a funding uh, just a technological firm that's like across the globe and he had all this power and really? money and technology and he was trying to like save the world because he had even more power so he okay. had more responsibility okay. uh, but he sacrificed all that to stop Dr. Octopus uh, and now he is broke and penniless and living <laughs> with his girlfriend who is uh, Mockingbird a superhero you might remember I barely remember Mockingbird she used to date or I think used to be married to Hawkeye oh uh, and now uh, she's dating Peter Parker. What's her real name? Bobby Chase. Cool. I mean, who who knows? I don't know. That's nerds know that. <laughs> yeah, you don't have that offhand. Um, so Parker was like a global CEO kind of dude. Yeah. Um, because what happens in recurrent like comics it. is there's also Miles Morales Spider Man. So I think they wanted to separate those two. Okay. And Miles Morales is sort of the New York based uh kid Spider Man. Yeah. And right. so to take Spider Man out of New York, to take Peter Parker out of New York, they made him uh Tony Stark. Mm. Sort um, of Tony Stark. Sort of a uh a, a, a more bumbling Tony Stark. Well, I guess if a comic's been going on for 50 years, you got to try a lot of different stuff. Yeah, the, the a writer was interviewed very recently in, I think, Vulture, and he talked about how he does all these storylines, and he's like, you could argue that any of these storylines, I'm paraphrasing him greatly here, he's like, you could argue that, oh, that storyline doesn't sound like Spider-Man, or this storyline doesn't sound like Spider-Man. He's like, but these are all just different aspects of Spider-Man to me, and each yeah. one sort of focuses on a different angle. And I agree, like, if Spider-Man was always 
like a CEO of a business, he wouldn't feel like Spider-Man. But for a storyline, yeah, it's fun. In the old Marvel days, I feel like Stan Lee would do it like in one issue. Yeah. Like he would found a company halfway through your 22 pages. It's like he's taken meetings with like presidents. And then by the end of it, he's he's back in Forest Hills or whatever. So they, um, yeah, they, they just spread it out over a couple of issues. I mean, it was spread out over a couple of years. But um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, in, the, in the 40, I don't know, so we're talking like 60 years of Spider-Man, a couple of years yeah. is enough. Yeah. Uh, and it was fun. It was really, uh, it was just a fun, different angle. I really like Dan Slott. I think he's one of the best writers to ever write Spider-Man. Now, I hate to be a social justice warrior, but has a woman ever written Spider-Man? Regularly? I don't yeah. think so. I think, did Louise Simonson write for a little bit? Not sure. I'm not sure. You know what? I wish I knew the answer. I don't. Be I know, uh, I think a woman never has drawn Batman until very recently. Oh. Um, um, and that's sort of a, a big deal. Yeah. Um, well, I say I, it should I'll happen. Look into, I'll look into that and I'll find out. Because I got to know if Spider-Man goes shopping. I got to know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stan Lee is writing your dialogue. Uh, I would guess that a woman has written Spider-Man, but I don't know if like for a long time. Yeah. I'm sure an issue here or there. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe not like one of the big regular writers. You know, no one's in, like a Roger Stern like run, you know? No. Because uh, the big writers are, you know, you know, Stan Lee, Gary Conway. Uh, Roger Stern was a big one. Uh, I Bill Mantelow was a big one. Ooh, I think. Um, uh, now Dan Slott is a really big one. Okay. Um, that have had like long runs and done a lot of stuff with him. Yeah. So um, even Roger Stern's run wasn't super long. We just, it, it, had, just, it coincided when we were reading them as kids, so that had a big impact on us. it was us. a good run. It was really good. Yeah. <laughs> and he, I think it was spread across a couple different titles, but it was good. It was good stuff. Anyway, uh, we're talking about this way longer than I meant to. Okay. That's a taste of what's going on in Spider-Man today. That's what Love I'm, it. That's what that segment is. A taste of Spider-Man today. Okay, now now we're going to get to the main segment, which is Ugh, like we actually talk. Who cares? <laughs> Where we actually talk about the issue. Right. This is the segment, the only segment we want to do. Now, here's the part of Let's just get right to it. Let's talk about the enforcers. These guys are insane. Yeah. So for years, Kevin and I, I mean, I love talking about the enforcers. Yeah. So here's the deal. So it's the it's not just the enforcers. It's the big man and the enforcers. Right. Before you even we, talk about the enforcers, let's recap the villain Spider-Man has fought mainly so far. Okay. So there's. The Yep. He's an old man with wings. That's right. He fought Dr. Octopus. Uh, a stocky power man scientist with metal arms. Right. He's fought Electro. I can never remember his powers, but... Um, <laughs> wow. It's a hint in his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the electricity dude. Yeah. Um, so those are the sorts of villains he's San, been fighting Sandman. so far. Sandman. Uh, these are the sorts of villains he's fought so far, but now he's fighting his most merciless foes. So tell me about the enforcers. Well, there's the big man who is just a basically a mobster who just organizes other mobsters. That's it's right. like the Professor Moriarty of the Spider-Man universe. His main job is organization. Mm-hmm. And then the enforcers are three guys who have, one of them is a Kung Fu master. That's judo, Fancy Dan. Judo, I believe. Oh, my bad. Judo master, Fancy Dan. The short <laughs> little guy looks... Fancy Dan. Yeah, he looks like he weighs like 70 pounds. Yep. Then there's Ox, this huge guy looks like he's a bouncer at an East Village bar. Yeah. His power is being big and strong. Yeah. Like and then a, there's... Like a human level of big and strong. Yep, like a normal big dude and then and then the best one of all Montana and his specialty is rope tricks <laughs> yeah, yeah. he wears a cowboy hat and he can lasso things so these three dudes come bursting in to like rooms full of like mafia dudes and everybody's terrified of the enforcers yeah, none of them carry a gun they don't have a gun um Montana's got his rope well I just 
everything about these dudes is great. They look insane. Mm-hmm. Everybody's reaction to them is like totally filled with fear. I mean, the only one of them who I think you have any reason to be a little bit scared of is Ox because he's he looks like he's like seven feet tall. Yeah. When he first appears in this comic uh, and he beats up a few people, he's doing it while eating an apple. <laughs> it's so great. And he just sort of slaps people aside. So he's very strong. Like you or I would be scared of uh, Ox and, and rightfully would, so. And I think I would definitely underestimate Fancy Dan because Fancy Dan, <laughs> I think I think Fancy Dan is like three foot, five inches tall. I mean, he is short. And he calls himself Fancy Dan. And you just, I mean, I would think like, he's more going to come in and like lecture me on manners. He's got a long, he's got like a cigarette and one of those like cigarette holders. Yeah, he's always puffing smoke in people's face. And he is, he's very dapperly dressed at all times. They, but uh, so's Montana. Montana's always wearing a suit. Yeah, Montana dresses well. In Ditko's New York, everyone's got suits. Um, uh, so Montana, the rope tricks guy. I, first of all, I always want to call him Tex. Okay. I don't know. I've never heard of Montana as a nickname for one of these Western dudes, but I guess he is. Is it a nickname? It might just be his name. His like given birth name? Yeah, Montana. Okay. Um, it's just such a particular skill to be able, I mean, he's working in enclosed spaces. He's not, it's not like these guys are, are, are like muscling around people on the plains of America. He's like going into like offices. I mean, there's an instance where he lassos out a window and up on top of the building to pull Spider-Man down into it. I mean, that's so pretty good. His rope kind of turns corners. He's good at rope. I mean, so here's the thing. Like, they, they do, in a way, look good. Like, I'm sure that Ditko designed these guys for, like, the, I don't know, like, the composition of the drawing or whatever. Like, this, you know, this huge big dude here and then a little dude in the opposite corner and, like, on a rope kind of threading between them. There's some sort of balance going on or whatever. They're all different sizes, which is helpful. The rope is sort of this thing that can sort of seed uh, through all the panels. Yeah, visually, it gives Spider-Man a lot to dodge around and dance around. But threat-wise, it doesn't make sense that any of them are any threat. (laughs) I mean, Spider-Man can, like, lift several cars. I mean, like, he's, you know, and he's got, like, a radar sense. Um, I don't know. It's so funny. Uh, I love that. But the Enforcers, do they stick around? Like, it's not just... I mean, they they definitely come back in the Ditko times. They're definitely back in the Ditko time. I don't know how much they they come back after that, but they definitely do come back from time to time. I remember reading a Daredevil run where they showed up working for the eel for a little bit. Um, so they show up once in a while. I haven't seen them in a long time. Uh, I, feel like out the, there. I feel like the Enforcers are one of those things that because Steve Ditko's run on Spider-Man, these issues that we're doing is like so regarded yeah. that just by proximity, they are sort of like canonized. Yeah. Like just, just if you're a real big Spider-Man fan, just for sentimental reasons, you might bring back the Enforcers like for fun. Yeah. I don't think you ever can amp them up to be like the main villains for like a long threat, but. Uh, just, like, just like for a little Easter egg, they could like show up in the background yeah, or something. They're like. still committing crimes now and then. In it's the, not just. In the cartoon that I really enjoyed, the spectacular Spider-Man, which was. Yeah. Uh, a very short-lived cartoon. They had yeah. the Enforcers. Ooh. Uh, and then what they did with the Enforcers is I believe Montana becomes the Shocker. So they sort of combine two mediocre villains into one. So the Shocker is sort of like mad that he gets beat up so easily and he becomes, he wears this equipment to become the Shocker. Uh, Montana gets upset that he gets beat up so easily. Yeah, that his whole team gets beat up easily, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's a really fun issue. This is a really fun issue anyway because even, even though their powers are ridiculous, they do great. Like, right, they're shown in the story as being like super hard to beat, um, really effective at muscling around 
around mobsters. They have a couple advantages. Uh, they often fight him with lots of other people helping. And Spider-Man yeah. gives blood in this issue, so his spider powers are reduced uh, because his cell count is down. <laughs> I'll take it. I buy it. Yeah. So, you know, it helps. I also think you'll, I accept the stuff more in the earlier Spider-Man issues. Like, once he's beaten, once he fights off the Hulk a couple times. Yeah. It's like, why would he ever even blink at Ox? Yeah, he's not worried about Ox. But, you know, this is, this is like, what makes Steve Ditko cool is like his weirdness. Like, in any art form, I think it's great to have like somebody who is allowed to let their own like personal style make it a little weird. Like, okay, I'm going to say it. These villains don't really work for me. But just the fact that this is that it, that they can show up, that like he can get a little strange. It's like makes yeah. it cool for me. Uh, I will I mean, make fun of the enforcers any chance I get, but I also love them. I love them too. So it's, it's, they're like their family. It's like I can make fun of them, but come on, nobody. We should else leave them alone. You, me, and Brian should all move to the same city in October and dress up as the enforcers for Halloween, uh, and I, nobody will recognize yeah. us. <laughs> So I assume I'm Ox. I'll get like a big yellow sweatshirt and a black vest and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be fancy Dan. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumb name. It's such a bad name. It's such a bad name. Yeah. Hey, here I am. Little Dandy or whatever. But what's kind of cool about this story is it's a mob story. We really haven't had Spider-Man versus like the crime families of New York, really. Yeah, this is the crime syndicate, the all white mid 40s yeah. crime syndicate. But it's a thing every now and then he gets involved in just like New York crime wars. Kingpin becomes a big part of this later on. Yeah. Um, Silvermane. A lot of crime bosses show up and he has to deal with them. This is that first glimpse of that. The big man and the enforcers. The um the the new the crime syndicate in the world of Marvel Comics is they're just kind of fun dudes. Like you don't see a lot of like torturing people or drug running. It's like it's guys who look like a bunch of Dick Tracy villains. Uh, they're all wearing suits and they're stealing, what else? Bags of money. Yeah. Whatever he Spider-Man villain dreams of, holding bags of money. And these villains do a lot of stuff with helicopters. They drop a lot of helicopters. <laughs> they steal a mail car at some point. Uh, a guy oh, like, yeah. robs a bank and then they takes off by helicopter as well. Helicopter is big for the big man. And uh, payroll cars are big in Spider-Man comics and sort of all Marvel comics at this time. Like getting a payroll, a mail car full of payroll is like a big, a big haul. I mean, if you worked in New York City during this era, anytime you didn't get get your paycheck you got to assume there's a crime spree going on <laughs> somebody with a helicopter stole my paycheck <laughs> <laughs> um no vacation this year kids the electro stole the man the pay car okay so the funny thing about so there's the enforcers but there's also the big man right and the big yeah. man is this mysterious figure he's got a white mask we have no idea who he is and th yeah. this is a this is a mystery issue like who is the big man right, on is the like, splash page it says who is the big man with like 20 question marks all around him yeah it's a huge question and so his deep is he's got the enforcers as his muscle but when we start the story this guy has like coordinated all of the the um mafia they're not, they're not called the mafia they're called the syndicate mm -hmm. all the like crime families into one big organization he's like a genius of planning capers and scams so smart that like everybody kind of bows to his organizational ability plus ox will just muscle you if you don't listen to the big man right or, that's what the or that's montana the will tie you up out of nowhere montana's gonna like you don't even know it. you'll be standing and some of this rope will get around your ankle and like just and just knock you over. Oof, can't or fancy that. or fancy Dan's gonna judo chop. 
slap you. Yeah, or just puff smoke in your face. Either way, you're humiliated or hurt. Um, so the mystery of the big man, I mean, I, I remember reading this as a kid and being interested in it and being intrigued by it because I was told. Yes, you were it, told that it was interesting. Yeah, but it isn't. Like, if this was just a another villain with a normal face, I would I would not be like, oh, where'd he come from? Yeah, it doesn't feel like the mystery adds too much. No. But, um... Uh, well, uh, well, let's talk about the, let's talk about the, the scams that the big man plans. We got one right at the beginning of the issue. That's insane. Yeah. So a guy steals some jewels and then he climbs out onto a flagpole. Yes. And, and um, the big man's watching his watch. He's got it all timed perfectly. Yep. The cops are in the building saying, come on back in from that flagpole. Come on, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> like, this is a bad move. Yep. But the criminal is confident. He knows it's going to work out. And then a rope, uh, a cable drops down and ties, he ties it to himself and he is lifted off the flagpole into a helicopter. I'd say it's not just that. Like, he's on this flagpole. Spider-Man sees him, is coming up to grab him. And then he gets whisked up into the sky into a helicopter that was hidden in a cloud. Yeah. Um, Because clouds are dense. Clouds are dense, thick sandstorm like things where they can hide a schedule your plan around (laughs) (laughs) and um as spider-man you know reaches this guy to grab him he's yanked up into the into the helicopter and he's thinking it worked spider-man never suspected i had a cable wrapped around me because um he didn't he did not have a cable wrapped around him like there's no way he did yeah he came out of the building yeah i mean unless he like came in through that window and had like a 10 or 15 foot reach while he was in the room but hey i'm not the big man i don't i don't plan these but i think that's stan lee dialogue because even in the panel where you see the guy going up you can sort of see his hands holding onto the cable yeah like probably did go plan for just to have a cable drop and the dude grabs it or whatever yeah um then Spider-Man does a move, which I, I remember as a kid loving. He like he attaches himself to this flagpole with a web and like spins himself around and then like kind of ricochets himself up into the sky. Yeah. Uh, flagpoles are important. Superhero uh, like uh, uh, well, Spider-Man, especially water towers and flagpoles. Every yeah. building in New York City by zoning law in Steve Ditko's universe has a big water tower on the top and a flagpole jutting out of the side horizontally for Spider-Man to like stand. And on. it's attached to the building strong enough to catch a human's weight. Yeah, these flagpoles in, in Spider-Man's New York are sturdy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he flings himself up to the helicopter, but the helicopter gasses him. There's like a gas that comes out of the side of the helicopter, hitting him in the face. They it were, looks cool, by the way. And Spider-Man says, they were prepared for my clumsy attack. Yeah, it's not too, not too clumsy. It was sort of an acrobatic miracle. You like whipped yourself like several hundred feet into the air. Yeah, Spider-Man can't fly. They don't shouldn't expect him to fly up there too easily. And then he web parachutes himself down to safety. He's getting good at parachutes. And uh, a bunch of dudes in the street just uh, make fun of Spider-Man. I love I love it when the crowd on the street just makes fun of Spider-Man. Like, New York City is so mean yeah. in these issues. Yeah, the first guy goes, boy, he sure goofed that one. <laughs> it's like, you're not amazed that he flew up to a helicopter? Even for a this, moment? He flung himself, like, way high in the sky. Yeah. Not, a, not enough for New York, baby. <laughs> yeah, if I saw that happen, I'd be like, that idiot failed. <laughs> Um, so then, then we, uh, uh, then we see the enforcers demonstrate their powers. That's pretty fun. Yeah. Some judo chops. Uh, this is where Ox eats the apple and sort of beats everybody up one-handed. Well, well, the big, yeah, the big man is called a meeting of the mafia guys. Cause you can just call mafia guys and they'll show up to a meeting and he introduces the enforcers. <laughs> also the mob guys try to fist fight 
all the enforcers. Like, if you're in charge of the mob, you're you you yourself are like a street thug. Nobody has any guns in this comic. There's very little shooting in this mob comic. I think that the NRA probably formed because they were all fans of Spider-Man, and they were like, you know what? If you had guns, all these villains would be finished. Yeah, because they didn't have any guns. They'd be easy to take down. And um, we got a cool subplot in this issue, which is uh, Aunt May gets sick. <laughs> yeah, this has only been. She got sick two issues ago. Last issue, two issues. Last ago. issue was Electro. She no, was last, fine in that issue. No, no, she's sick in Electro. He won't. He won't fight Electro because she's sick. Oh, so this is. He's. Just, she's just still sick. She's recovering from that sickness. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was the. Uh, oh, you're right, because the issue before that was a tribute to Teen. She was healthy <laughs> as a horse for the tribute to Teen. Yeah, that's right. Because last issue, she was sick, and Betty visited in the hospital, and that's where their that's romance right. sort of kicked in. Yeah. yeah, so she's still sick, or she's still the te- recovering. The the teenagers in Peter Parker's life were sort of transitioning from where they're just a hundred percent bullies all the time, and now they're becoming like real characters who are like more like real people well, and. More like real people, but also like I would never visit my high school friend's aunt in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I might say to him in school, hey, I hope she's doing OK. Yeah. But, but they show up. Liz and Flash visit Aunt May at the hospital. Liz Allen, the most popular girl in school, and Flash Thompson, the quarterback. Yeah. And a bully who and a bu- uh Peter Parker two issues ago. Yeah. They just had a fist fight, like in tribute to teens. Yeah. Um. Here they are. Well, yeah, you, I think you have to remember that like Spider-Man is being written by a guy in his mid forties, you know, who's, who's married. I don't know if Stanley ever had kids, but like, you know, like f- family men are making these comics. They're not like young people. So like, I think they, it's kind of like how when Charles Schultz would draw, you know, Snoopy comics, Charlie Brown golfs, right? Like right. The, Charlie Brown has the activities of his like senior citizen cartoonist creator. And like Stanley has people like visiting each other and having dinner parties and doing sort of like family things, even when they're in high school. I mean, it's a nice world. Hey, I love it. So uh, we have another great coward moment. I love uh, coward moments right. in uh, Marvel comics where people get called cowards. Yeah, they get declared coward very easily. They don't have to do anything to earn that. <laughs> and people are so ready to accuse each other of being cowards. Why don't you explain this one? So, yeah, so uh, Aunt May needs a blood transfusion. And Peter Parker's concerned about it because he's got radioactive blood. Uh, <laughs> so he's not sure if he should I, get I it. I like how you, you said that in the perfect rhythm of the song. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got radioactive blood. Listen, he's bud. He's got radioactive. <laughs> And listen, bud, uh, he's got radioactive blood, uh, so he's a little nervous about it. But uh, uh, so he pauses for a moment. He doesn't even say no. And he goes, I don't I think I can do it, Doc. And he's thinking because he's Spider-Man, he's got radiation in his blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, what if what if they detect that and they find out that I'm a freak, that I'm a supernatural phenomenon? Right. Uh, and uh, immediately Liz is aghast. Peter, it's your own aunt. <laughs> I mean, also, like, he wouldn't need blood transfusion from Peter Parker. Like, the the hospital's got blood. She's at a New York hospital. Yeah. You're not, like, stuck in an elevator. But anyway, uh, uh, Liz is uh, aghast. Peter, it's your own aunt. And Flash, smatter, scared of the big bad needle, turns on Peter. (laughs) So quickly. I mean, you you came to the hospital. You care about this guy enough that you made this special visit. Yeah. But uh, that that, uh, insults convinces Peter to give his blood. So it works. So so he does it. And now he's weakened for the rest of the issue. Right. Uh, So uh, we got a couple other fun subplots going on here. We got um, J. Jonah Jameson is in the mix. Yeah. Uh, He thinks the big man does not exist. He thinks Spider-Man is probably the big man. Yes. Um, No surprise. Whenever there's a villain and we don't know who he is, J. Jonah Jameson knows who he is. It's (laughs) Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. You 
just got to pretend that like J. Jenna Jameson is Bill O'Reilly and that instead of hating, you know, you just got to substitute in Hillary Clinton for Spider-Man. It would just be, it would be as if somebody on the news was like, I'll tell you who's in charge of ISIS, Hillary Clinton or whatever yeah, I mean, like that. It's a thing where like when I read it in the comic, it feels ridiculous, but it feels ridiculous when I read it in the news as well. Like when you read like far right or I suppose far left, uh, though I associate it more with the right because I'm a lefty big blue state dude. Um you know, conspiracy theories, you know, where they're like, oh, trust me, trust me. They knew, you know, they, yeah. the FBI had it all arranged. If there's any Russian collusion, it's coming from the Democrats, not the Republicans. Yeah. They, it's like, so why? Why do you think that? Because it's Spider-Man. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson is like that about Spider-Man. Um, uh, so, yeah, he thinks Spider-Man is the big man. And he does a weird thing. He assigns a reporter, Frederick Foswell, another Dick Tracy looking dude. But I mean, Steve Ditko must have loved Chester Gould, right? Yeah, like f- that name, Frederick. Frederick Foswell is a Dick Tracy uh, name, isn't it? Oh, F- is it? Fighting Foswell or something is a Chester Gould character for sure. I'm Googling it while we talk. I guess Ditko must have loved Chester Gould because like a lot of the everyman in Spider-Man comics kind of have that weird Dick Tracy thing where like the forehead's really big and the hair is sort of like looks like it was like it's plastic material sculpted on their head and everyone's got like kind of big square shoulders and, and rigid jaws. Um, it, it, it makes the stories look kind of cool. They have atmosphere, but also everybody looks uh, insane. But um, Frederick Foswell especially looks like a Dick Tracy mobster. But he's a reporter who works for J. Jonah Jameson, and Jameson just assigns him, write a story saying that Spider-Man is the big man. Oh, so here's what it is. Uh, Fearless Fosdick is who I'm thinking of, which was a little Abner spoof of Dick Tracy. Okay, nice. That's what good, I was getting confused by. Good pull. Uh, I mean, I think everyone knows about Fearless Fosdick. <laughs> I, it rang a very dim bell in the deep <laughs> recesses of my memory, but yeah. I wasn't going to go. I wasn't going to go chasing after it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so uh, uh, this guy's Foswell reminds me of that name because of that. Anyway, but I guess they're not really connected. So Foswell, this little most mousy reporter, is being bossed around by J. Jonah Jameson to write a bunch of things, and he doesn't want what to do, we, do it. I think it's it's rude. Like if Jameson's writing his own editorial, accusing Spider-Man of being whatever, and he's putting his name on it, and he he owns the newspaper. I kind of feel like, well, that's your right. You know, you own the paper. You're putting your name on it. You're making this accusation. Okay. But to tell somebody else to do it, I don't think that's good journalism. No, it isn't. But it is nice to see somebody else works the bugle other than Betty Brandt and J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> yeah, we're expanding the world a little bit. I mean, this is like the, one of the biggest newspapers in New York City, right? Yeah. And this is the first reporter we've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is. That's a nice addition. Now, this there's another subplot that I love. Yes. The Betty Brandt. I forgot how cool the Betty Brant character is. As we're rereading these issues, I'm like, man, it is everything that she's involved with, I love. I like the broad strokes of it. Uh, some of the dialogue and specifics of it bother me, but uh, the, the broad strokes are great. Well, there's a cool twist here, which is like, she's been hinting that she has like this secret and this dark secret and she doesn't want to get too close to Peter, you know, uh, because of her, she doesn't want him getting tangled up in her terrible life. Yeah. And we start to get a real glimpse at it in this issue. Right. Uh, the enforcers show up and start harassing Betty because uh, she owes them money. I mean, Fancy Dan blows smoke right in her face. Yeah. Uh, and the big man has doubled the interest that she owes, which is unfair, but what can she do about it? Yeah. Big man's not doing this for his health, you know, Kevin. Yeah. I mean, like Betty doesn't Kevin, know. Kevin, I don't you know. Though. Kevin, I don't know if you thought that big man was doing this for his health. 
but he's doing it for money. Yeah. I mean, if that wasn't made clear, the enforcers make that very clear when they say that exact thing. So they're 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 bossing around Betty Brandon, I assume right in front of the Daily Bugles. This is happening on like Fifth Avenue or something like that. Or by I guess the Flatiron Building is where the Daily Bugle is supposed to be. Yeah, uh, only in the Spider-Man movies. I take it all as canon. Okay. Yeah, in the um, Tobey Maguire movies, they turn the Flatiron Building into the Daily Bugle, but I think it, it doesn't look like that in any of these early comics. So here we are, 27th Street, uh, wherever it is, and... Um, and uh, Peter Parker comes upon them. Now, Peter Parker, if he was in Spider-Man mode, could, uh, you know, actually take care of them. No problem. But he he could at least muscle them around. But in Peter Parker clothes, he's got to be a little more demure. I always enjoy, this doesn't really happen here, but in stories where Peter Parker uses a little bit of his spider strength in moments like this. To surprise people. Yeah. Um, he doesn't do it here because he doesn't want anyone to suspect he's Spider-Man. But uh, 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 it's fun. It's fun watching Peter Parker get to uh, stand up for himself. So the enforcers muscle him around because they think it's Betty Brant's boyfriend, which he's kind of becoming her boyfriend. I mean, they yeah, definitely I mean, like each other. He sort of is. They talk. They think about loving each other numerous times in this issue. And but Betty Brant doesn't want to tell Peter what's up. She cries. She runs away. She doesn't want to involve him. She's a yeah. tortured soul. That panel is sort of obnoxious because uh, Peter immediately thinks I must have been wrong about her. She can't care for me, or she won't if she won't confide in me. Like, yeah. She's crying and sobbing and running away. He's like, well, she doesn't love me. Yeah. It's like, ooh. You know what? I'm cold. Peter, Park, Peter Parker's got an abandonment complex, you know? One, his parents are dead. His uncle got murdered. I think maybe he quickly assumes that everybody's about to get murdered all the time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, she won't confide me. I guess she's about to go get murdered or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that hurts him a little bit. So he dresses up as Spider-Man and goes off to fight the enforcers. So we have to have the uh, first battle. And doesn't Spider-Man kind of always lose his first battle? Yeah. Uh, uh, almost always, unless it's the only battle, like we we see Spider-Man struggle and lose against the villains first. So he does that. We do we do the first failed battle. So Spider-Man um, finds the enforcers and fights them. What do you think of that big web spider he uses? So yeah, to find the enforcers, he catches a regular crook and uh, uh, takes him back to his spider web, which is like a fake hideout he builds for himself with a big webbing and he creates a giant spider out of webs and basically says like, if you don't tell me, I'm going to feed you to my giant spider. And I love it. He never does anything like I this think it again looks- as far as I know, but I think it's a really cool thing. He's a creepy, I like the creepy side of Spider-Man. I feel, it's really, it's really, as I reread these issues, it strikes me like a lot of stuff is just done because it looks cool. And I think it's like, wouldn't it look cool to have Spider-Man in this like dark room with covered in webs and a huge spider behind him that he just takes villains to, to like scare them. Um, if I was in charge of Spider-Man, I would have ruined the comic. I would have moved all the action to a real spider lair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's also cool because they even show, Ditko shows like the back of the spider where it's all this old plywood. It's like very clearly fake. Um, yeah. It's just smart. I don't know. It's really smart and fun, but it's not something he does things like that very often. So he scares this guy into giving him the info. He goes to find the enforcers. The enforcers make mincemeat of Spider-Man. Sure, yeah. Ox hits him a few times. He's uh, too busy dodging ropes and getting judo chopped by Fancy Dan. I mean, Fancy Dan just open hand slaps him on his shoulder in this one panel. Yeah. The only thing Spider-Man can do is he Spider-Man breaks the lights to turn off the lights so he can escape. Yeah. Now, again, he's, you know, he gave some blood earlier. So he's weakened. Yeah. Give him credit. Now, big, big twist. When he gets away from the fight, he sees walking on the street, J. J. Jonah, Jonah Jameson. Jameson. Yeah. Now, wouldn't J. Jonah Jameson, I ask you, Kevin, just be 
Unbiased, unbiased. Yeah. Wouldn't J. Jonah Jameson be a good candidate to be the big man? No. <laughs> no? no? Let me lay out the case. Okay, Let me lay out yeah. the case. He's got connections because mm-hmm. he's a big newspaper man. Right. So he knows a lot. He And he's he's up to date on what's going on with the crime scene in New York because right. presumably his newspaper is covering it. He looks about the right size, That's kind true. of. Yeah. Um, he hates... He's a bad person. I mean, he is an amoral man. He's a bad person. I mean, in the sense that he hates Spider-Man, but otherwise he seems like a pretty good guy. He doesn't like crime. That happens later. I mean, all we know of him is that he hates, but we actually don't ever see him doing anything good (laughs) um, except for rooting for his son, the astronaut, not to get killed. I mean, a a father of an astronaut can't be a villain. (laughs) So I'm just saying, keep it in mind. It looks like J.J. Jameson might be the big man. I mean, Spider-Man clearly thinks so. He suspects it. He's not sure, but he's like, Oh, could be. So now we have to have some time in between until the till the last. Oh, I guess we do. I guess we kind of go right into the last fight. Yeah. I mean, first, Betty r- leaves town because she doesn't want Peter Parker to get involved with the enforcers. And the best way to make Peter not worry about her is to run away. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to call her. She won't answer the phone. But I'm telling you, man, I love that subplot. I love the high stakes romantic subplot of Spider-Man stories. I mean, that's rough for a high school kid. Which one? Just to be involved with uh, somebody who has this crime background and runs out of town. Normally, like, your issue is like, oh, my girlfriend kissed somebody else or somebody, <laughs> something, you know? Yeah. Went to the ice cream social with a different guy. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Peter Parker can handle it. He's going through a lot of stuff in his life. Um, okay, so he's got to find the enforcer again, so he gets captured as Peter Parker. What do you think of that plan? I love it. I think it's cool. Uh, we don't get to see him use his Peter Parker guys very often to help his super heroics, but the idea of, like, getting Peter Peter Parker captured so that Spider-Man can find out where the enforcers is. It's great. It doesn't, it's, uh, I don't know how he thought they'd want to capture a high school student, but I like <laughs> I mean, the idea he gets of like, the- if I get caught. The word spreads pretty fast. He's in high school, mouthing off how he knows who the big man is, and word gets to the big man four panels We've later. We've talked about it in the past. These high school kids are in touch with current events, especially with the <laughs> local crime uh, problem. So uh-huh. they are the right people to talk to about this. <laughs> I love it. I mean, if I was in my high school, if I was in Mr. Jordan's chemistry class and I was like, I, I know who runs ISIS. I don't think ISIS would hear about it. No, they would. And in fact, you'd just be like, hey, Will, be quiet. We're in class right yeah. now. <laughs> Nobody cares what you think. Yeah, and he won't tell anyone. He's very smug about it. Flash even worries about him. Flash takes him aside and goes, watch it. If you keep mouthing off like this, the enforcers are going to come get you. <laughs> uh, and you know what? Flash Thompson was exactly right. Because Peter Parker gets kidnapped and brought to the big man's warehouse. And the big man reveals, I know him. I know Peter I know Parker. I, meaningful. And of all the characters we know, that's only J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking you, Kevin. I'm just thinking yeah. about it. Doesn't it look like the big man's going to be J. Jonah Jameson? He knows Peter Parker. Yeah. Who do you think? Who do you think? It's Aunt May? Definitely not Aunt May because she went to Florida with her friends to recover from her illness. There's only one other person it could be besides oh, J.J. It was Aunt May. Oh, oh great. What, what a crazy comic this would be. <laughs> Aunt May? Yeah. You're running the crime syndicate? That's why she had to go to Florida to start this crime spree. You're right. It could be her. I was thinking it could be Mr. Warren, the chemistry teacher. Yeah, who we haven't seen at all this issue. Suspicious. That's what I'm saying. He's not around. Because um, he's out there He's out there planning helicopter robberies with the mob. But anyway, Peter gets caught by the enforcers. And, yeah. Oh, my phone just started ringing. Uh, yeah, because you're mouthing off about the big man. <laughs> Man. That's the enforcers coming to tell you to be quiet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the enforcers catch Peter Parker. They're blowing smoke in his face. He's in the backseat of a car. Ox is driving. <laughs> 
because you <laughs> poor ox. You want to threaten Peter Parker? Sit him between Fancy Dan and Montana. Yeah, not the big dude. Poor ox uh, driving. And then they toss Peter Parker in a cell. No way he's getting out of there. But he has his costume with him. He changes and he breaks out of the cell. Where does he put his civil civvies? Like, don't they go? Doesn't like the security guard come into the cell, see all these clothes on the floor, and immediately put it together that Peter Parker is Spider Man? Yeah, uh, uh, it's a terrible plan. But uh, okay, but now we get to the fun fight. Spidey has is with the enforcers and we get the big climactic fight of the issue. And you know what? It's pretty fun. Like Ditko gets to mix up what he draws now because the villains are so strange. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a, also like a, a group of people on top of the fact that he's got like this big strong dude and the rope guy and fancy Dan, uh, but also yeah. some great sets. So like there's like there's a car in the middle of the building for some reason, these big oil drum. There's lots of stuff going on. I watched the beginning of the Netflix uh, Daredevil series. Well, I watched the whole first season and then I watched like the first half of season two before I got bored and gave up. Yeah. And there's like a number of sequences in that Daredevil thing where there's bad guys in like a garage, like an underground garage, um, like in Hell's Kitchen or something like that. And it's a classic Marvel villain hideout. High ceilings, lots of open spaces, and just lots of crap lying around to be thrown. Yeah. Um, it, like old Batman comics used to have like big warehouses filled with like fun props and stuff. But this is like real sort of realistic props like cars and uh, oil drums and stuff like stuff you could conceivably imagine having laying around. They're in some kind of auto shop or something like that. Some kind of place that steals cars and strips all the parts or something. Yeah. Um, so it. I think this is a really fun fight. It's really beautiful. Uh, yeah, me too. Also, like even the first punch Spider-Man throws where he hits like three guys with one swing is really great. Yeah, I love it. Um, what are some of the things that happen? Montana rolls a bunch of oil drums no, out. No, no, Big Man does that. Oh, Big Man. Of course, he's the he's the thinker. Yeah, because uh, Fancy Dan uses judo and Montana uses rope. They're not going to use oil drums. That's not their thing. <laughs> well, Ox throws a bunch of tires at him. Yeah, Ox also like flips a car that Spider-Man is sitting in at some point. So Spider-Man jumps into a car so he can open two car doors into crooks in a really fun sequence. <laughs> and Ox yeah. throws the car aside to knock Spider-Man out. So Ox is big, very strong. That's pretty good. Lifting a car is, that's that's a big dude. Um, big man throws a bunch of oil on the floor so Spider-Man gets to slide along it like a skater. Yep. Uh, and then like there's like a ball and a chain uh, thing hanging there. I assume for like yep. lifting up heavy objects. And Spider-Man is like using that to dodge the mob of crooks that are chasing after him. But three foot two inch fancy Dan sneaks in underneath him and get, lands a couple good shots. Yeah, the only thing that stops him from really taking Spider-Man down is Spider-Man then starts standing on the walls. Fancy Dan was making good progress. Yeah, Spider-Man couldn't stand on the wall. I think Fancy Dan could have won that fight. So Spider-Man's getting overwhelmed here, right? He's getting He's, exhausted. They just keep coming. There's so many. Uh, like any individual isn't really too much for him, but all of them at once, he just can't handle. So he has to summon the police, who he warned earlier that he was going to uh, uh, track down the enforcers. So they're sort of looking for Spider-Man. Uh, and he takes his spider signal, which he's used in past issues, sort of just to make some mood lighting. And he Yeah, this is it. like on his on his belt buckle. He has like a, a a light beam that just can broadcast his icon onto like walls and stuff. Yeah, and he shoots that uh, signal and attaches it to I don't know what it is to some piece of the building somewhere, uh, just so the light would shine in front of a police officer. Um, and it works. The police come. Yep. Uh, the police come in. They swarm in. They. Uh, 
you know, now once the police get there, Big Man finally pulls out a gun and starts shooting at Spider-Man. Um, Big Man escapes, but everybody else gets arrested by the police. So now we cut to J. Jonah Jameson's office. And oh, Kevin, I just want you to remember, it's definitely J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, J. Jonah Jameson just gets back to the Daily Bugle in this scene. Which is what a what a coincidence, right? What a damning yeah. piece of evidence. He's just getting as if he was gone, maybe fighting Spider-Man. In a bad mood. Yep. As if his gang has just been taken down. So Spider-Man is spying on this. Foswell's writing his dumb little, Foswell, unimportant character. He's never going to be anything. Yeah. He's writing his little new, you know, he was introduced to this issue just, just so that J. Jonah Jameson has somebody to boss around. Yeah, probably, I assume, when J. Jonah gets arrested, Foswell becomes editor. Foswell's putting, because once J. Jonah Jameson gets exposed to the big man, Foswell will take, Foswell, this very villainous looking guy, is going to take over the newspaper. Yeah. So Spider-Man's getting ready to burst in and arrest J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he sees the police show up and the police say, we found the big man. They say this Boom. to J. Jonah Jameson. And then I close the comic. No need to read anymore oh, because I, I didn't know, do that. I know what's happening. Oh, I wish you didn't do that. The very next Why? panel, they say, don't try to sneak out of here, Foswell. We what? have the place surrounded. You might as well come along peacefully. It's Foswell? That's right. See, the police oh. found uh, 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 some shoes with lifts and an oversized oh. jacket in the car. So that's why he didn't look the same as the big man. Yeah. Lifts. Yeah. Lifts. And Oversized jacket. Spider-Man uh, is also embarrassed that he didn't figure it out. He thinks, some big brain I am. I not only have the proportionate strength of a spider, I'm just about as dumb, too. Uh, I should have kept reading. I me- I messed up. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, J. Jonah Jameson finally reveals the real reason he hates Spider-Man at that moment. Ooh. What is it? He's jealous. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a three-panel, kind of big, dramatic, soap opery moment that he admits quietly while he's himself in an office that he's he doesn't respect himself. And when Spider-Man is around, it makes him feel bad about himself. And that's why he's devoting his life to getting him arrested. It doesn't really ring true for everything else we know about J. Jonah. Yeah, because he seems pretty secure in himself normally. <laughs> he's a confident man. Um, but yeah, in this moment, he believes he's jealous. Spider-Man risks his life all the time. And what does Jonah do with all his money? Nothing. Though, if Joe Jonah like just like wrote articles and exposed villains. He'd do more good probably than Spider-Man, but he spends all his time trying to expose Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then uh, we end on a panel of Betty Brant, who's uh, who's run away. Yeah, and, and she misses Peter. She misses Peter. Uh, she's he's the best part of her life, but she can't risk him getting involved in whatever she's a part of. <laughs> Um, and we're promised next cool. issue we'll find the strange secret of Betty Brandt. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, oh, next issue is a great one. Ooh, it's a winner. Yeah, next issue is the return of uh, Dr. Octopus, one of yeah. our favorites. One of our favorites, yes. Uh, how many more segments we got left? Like six more? <laughs> yeah, at least at least a dozen. Okay. Um, we got our awards. All right, let's Those do it. quick. So your favorite panel, Will? Page 16, panel five, when Ox is throwing tires at him and he's dodging them left and oh, right. That's a really good one, yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a bunch I really like during this fight scene, but I sort of really like the one, the page before, page 15, panel three, where Ox is lifting up the car and Spider-Man is leaping out of it. Spider-Man's pose great is one. really great. Yep. Uh, the way the car sort of bisects the panel is really cool. There's also some Fun. I love. Uh, I mean, I also love when he is pulling on the chain and everyone kind of collides under him. There's a bunch of good ones, but I'm going to pick the jumping out of the car panel. Great pick. <clears throat> Your um, favorite Stan Lee dialogue? Okay, so it's when the big man is introducing the enforcers to the mob <laughs> and he introduces Fancy Dan. Yeah. And I, uh, this line just made me laugh. You may be interested in knowing that Fancy Dan is a master of judo and entitled to wear the coveted black belt. <laughs> yeah. Stan Lee must have just learned about black belts and just been like, well, <laughs> nobody can get that. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, mine is uh, from in the middle of the fight where uh, this is on page 19 
and the big man is mad. He's shooting at him, and he ba- and the big man basically says something along the lines of like, you know, uh, if only you didn't move so fast. And Spider Man's retort is, "Now nah, you're not going to begrudge me my few little talents, are you?" I love <laughs> his quips. It's very fun. That's pretty great. Pretty great. What's your highlight for this issue? I liked Peter's plan of getting himself caught. Him smugly saying he figured out who the big man is so that he would get taken in by the enforcers. That was fun. I thought it was a fun uh, twist. Um, I did like that. I like Peter. My highlight is Peter thinking that J. Jonah Jameson is the big man. It's a good little switcheroo. Like J. Jonah Jameson's always accusing Spider-Man of being the villain. And now he falsely accuses it in his own mind, at least. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man doesn't conduct a citywide publicity <laughs> accusation, but in his mind, he's wrongly accusing JJJ. Yeah. And J. Jonah Jameson's a bad guy, but he's not that bad. Yeah. Um, what's your low light? My low light is the idea that Betty doesn't want Peter to worry about her. So <laughs> she runs so away. So she runs away and like just doesn't show up to work anymore, which would yeah. make him worry more. It would make anyone worry more. It's more yeah. likely to get him involved. I can see that. I, I, I'm into the soap opera aspect of it, but it's it doesn't doesn't quite track. I like her running away, but it's just sort of like, if she yeah, wasn't trying to with, fool herself into thinking that'll keep Peter away. Maybe come up with a better reason. Yeah. Um, Your low light? It is that how quickly Liz Allen and Flash Thompson called Peter a coward for the one second he hesitated before giving blood. Yeah. <laughs> just like just like how much accusations of cowardice come into play really makes me laugh. I, I, I guess I, I enjoy it, but it's sort of ridiculous. So that's my low light. Uh, and now it we are into the personal memories. Does this uh, trigger any personal memories for you? I don't have any big specific one, but I do like that. This has just been a running gag for you and me. Like I like that the enforcers is part of our like vocabulary that we can refer to for our whole lives. Like I feel like it's one of those things where if I'm talking to you at any moment, I can make a reference to Montana and Fancy Dan and like, you know what I'm talking about. Like I feel like if I was talking about the news and I'd be like, this guy's almost as dangerous as Fancy Dan. Yeah, it's not a, uh, it's not a Spider-Man thing that you'd know in Unless you read these original issues, if you're a yeah. Spider-Man fan and haven't read the original issues, it, it doesn't resonate at all. Like if you're if you're a casual Spider-Man fan, you've heard of the Green Goblin, right? Yeah. If you're like even just a casual fan of the comic, but like <laughs> no one's up to date with the Enforcers. That's like a Ringmaster level reference. Ooh, he's coming up in a few issues. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's mine. Great. So um, recommendations. What's your recommendation? I'm going to recommend one of my favorite comics of all time. So one of my favorite comic book writers is Mike Carey. Uh, mm-hmm. He's done a bunch of really great comics, but his first really big one was a spinoff from Sandman. Uh, Sandman is unarguably a more popular and better comic, um, but it, a spinoff of it was about this the, the devil, Lucifer, who quit uh, quit hell, basically. He didn't want to run hell anymore, so he quits and kind of just moves up to Earth and opens a nightclub. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I'm a Fox TV show where he solves mysteries, but okay. the comic that Mike Carey wrote was more about uh, the devil trying to get out from underneath God's uh, thumb, basically. He felt like everything he ever did in his life was part of God's plan and it drove him crazy. Uh, he wanted to be his own person. So it's basically yeah. his attempts to try to uh, have his own life. And he gets very yeah. involved in like creation myths and yeah. uh, it's it's huge and epic. It's really fun. I, I read this comic on your recommendation. They really go far with it, like philosophical implications of uh, like there's there's Silver City, which is like where all the angels live. Yeah. As part of the world. Yeah, Michael and Michael um, plays a big part of it. The angel, uh, Archangel Michael. And there's a yes. section where like God uh, is gone and has abdicated his throne. And uh, he offers it to both Lucifer and Michael. He doesn't yeah. think either is a good option. But he basically says like, well, Michael, you've always been by my side. You're great. But also like you only do what I tell you to. And Lucifer sort of is his own man a little bit. So I like that. And Lucifer doesn't want it because Lucifer doesn't want to do anything God wants him to do. And Michael's 
furious that it was offered to Lucifer. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, a crazy moment when they both turn it down. Uh, Michael has a daughter, which is crazy, who's half angel. Yeah. A lot of weird things happen and it's it's great. I, I, yeah. The first arc is really good. Then it slows down for basically five or six issues before it really starts getting back in. And like, I almost stopped reading it at that time. And then somebody said like, oh, you should keep reading it. It gets good again. And then the rest of it is just amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was glad you recommended it. I'm going to, I second your recommendation. Good choice. Uh, my, uh, my recommendation is something called The Love Bunglers by Jamie Hernandez. A couple episodes ago, I recommended Love and Rockets Comics. My cat is named after one of the main characters in Love and Rockets Comics. Yes. But um, they just released um, a uh, new collection of Jamie Hernandez comics. And uh, The Love Bunglers is uh, his recent story of his character Maggie and her love affair with this guy Ray. Unlike Spider-Man, Jamie's characters do age. Um, They were 16 in the 80s and now they're in their late 40s. Um, it's still slower than real time, but that's much more of an aging process than most comic book characters go through. So these characters are in their kind of middle-aged time and they're figuring things out. And it's a really, it's a, it's a, it's an adult comic. It's not for kids. I can't imagine that kids are listening to this, but like, (laughs) but, um, I mean, not, not adult. It's not like a pornographic comic, but like there's like sex and violence and like dark stuff that goes down in it. And, um, but it's a, it's, it's really great. It's just like, it's a beautiful, it's like a great uh, indie film. Yes. That's right. Anything else. That's right. So it's exactly. Kid wouldn't go to see those. Right. This is an adult thing. The way like call me by your name is a movie for grownups. Um, Okay, so that's my recommendation. Now we uh, reader mail. We do. We have got some reader mail. So it's been a few. We haven't recorded in a while. Uh, yeah. So we've accumulated a couple couple emails. Um, the first one is somebody wrote before uh, this issue. So he's writing about next uh, the next uh, uh, podcast that is going to be released. At the t- uh, that's a confusing way to describe it. He's writing about issue eight, the tribute to teens. Okay. He's writing about it before this podcast has been released to him. But he yes. he's reading ahead and he's excited about it. And he was confused why Spider Man crashed Johnny Storm's party. Yes. Uh, Because as you remember, like we talked about that, it was just like a really, Peter's a jerk in that issue. Peter's a villain. He's the bad guy of that story. Uh, But this guy, uh, Rob Schultz is the writer, talks about Mm -hmm. how um, he originally thought it was out of character, but then he just started thinking about it. He's like, Peter's a teen. Yeah. He's like, I did dumb things as a teen. And he he sort of just bought into it completely, which I think is the right way to look at these issues. Write everything off as like, this guy's a kid. He's like 16 or 17 years old. And he's looking forward Uh, to hearing us talk about it. I hope he enjoyed us talking about it at this point. Yep. Well, I think that Rob gets a no prize because he pointed out a continuity flaw and then solved it. Yeah, no prize for Rob Schultz. Rob Schultz also has his own podcast called Friendly Fire. Um, it's about old war movies. I have not listened to it, but he oh, uh, talks about it a little. I'd be, that's an interesting topic. It's a great topic. Uh, and then we get another email from Mark David Christensen. Yes, he's uh, a friend of mine. This is a Maybe this is one for another podcast because these questions are long. Uh, quick to read, long to answer. Uh, he mm-hmm. loves our podcast. He's, um, thank you, Dave. He's reading them for the first time alongside our podcast, and he's having fun. Uh, he talks about the lizard issue. He says we talked about the Spider-Man movies and how we mentioned mentioned or maybe I mentioned I think we both mentioned that the Spider-Man movies are never exactly how we imagine they will be yeah and he asked us to pitch describe our perfect Spider-Man movie no we need a whole episode for that yeah uh, I will the short answer is we've thought about it a lot especially you Kevin I know Kevin's ready to direct and produce the Spider-Man movie Hollywood yeah at any moment the short answer is it sort of borrows from the first Doc Ock story as well as the Master Planner saga which comes up in issue 33 31 yeah. 32 33 I love that question uh, I was on Dave's so 
Mark David Christensen goes by Dave. Okay. And Dave, um, Dave has a podcast. It might be wrapping up, but it's called uh, I Will Watch Anything Once, where he would just have guests <laughs> on and he'd watch any movie they want. I made him watch War Games, so we had a good time. Oh, great movie. Thank you. Um, it's a good question. We might devote a whole episode to that. Yeah, he also asked this follow-up question. Uh, will you be touching on what the existing movies seem to get wrong or right briefly on the podcast? Which I would also we'll love do, to do. Maybe we'll just do a movie episode. Yeah, I think it, we could talk enough about the movies. And I it's I would say right here, I'm way too picky about the movies. Yeah, you'll never be happy. Um, you'll never be totally happy. Uh, but I uh, left Spider-Man Homecoming disappointed, even though I at the <laughs> same time thought it was probably the best Spider-Man movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> So you're like C plus best one yet yeah. or something like that. It felt like, I mean, it was, I thought it was better than uh Spider-Man two with, uh, uh, Tobey Maguire versus Doc Ock. Um, definitely. I think I'll we'll hold I... up a little better than that, but I don't think either of them do what I want from a Spider-Man movie. I really enjoyed homecoming, but, uh, none of them will live up to the Spider-Man movie that's in my brain. Yeah. So we'll have to, we'll have to set aside an episode at some point to force people to hear us talk about the movie we'll never make. Great questions, Dave. And thank you, Rob, for writing in. Anybody else wants to write in? We have a Gmail address, screwitspidey at Gmail. Um, we also have an Instagram account, screwitspidey, and a Twitter. I'll tell you, that Instagram account is solid gold, baby. Solid yeah. gold. If you're not on Instagram, I, I everything should get sent to the Twitter account. And I think you can view it even if you don't have Instagram then, the images. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you're yes, on Instagram, you that's the way to see it in the, in the original social media form that I'm posting and all that. Mostly I don't post on the Twitter account other than retweeting Instagram account. So so um, please check those out. Kevin, I think, have we done it? This was uh, maybe too many segments, but I want a couple more. A couple Let's more? get it up All to right. 20, a segment every three minutes. Um, and thanks to everybody who's uh, listening and uh, we really appreciate it. And if there's any Spider-Man freaks out there who want to talk Spider-Man with us, please drop us a line. If you're a Spider-Man, uh, uh, you know, if Ditko, if Steve Ditko's listening to this, uh, we'll, we can work <laughs> you into an episode. Just uh, re- reach out. Maybe. I mean, we're not going to give you one of the good uh, issues. <laughs> We're gonna make you talk about the Molten Man or something. <laughs> yes, one of your one of your ones that was obviously tossed off. A guy named a guy named Joe. Yeah, that's really a great like one for you. So, Dick, if you want uh, to do a guy named Joe, please let us know. <laughs> and um, or Stan Lee, we'll bring you on. Um, Stanley will make you come on and talk about female characters. <laughs> yeah, I bet he'd talk about them really well now. Yeah, I think he would too. Um, okay, well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you next episode when we when we uh, have the return of Doctor Octopus. Yeah, get excited. Um, bye everybody. Bye. Screw it, screw it. We're just gonna talk about Spider Man. Campfire. <laughs>